Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, listen, we got so much to get into. We got to get things started with our man. Let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Fredo Cervantes. Fredo, how are you? I am doing amazing, Arash. How are you doing today, sir? I am good. Um, all right, let's get into it. USC, uh, first road game in the Pac-12 last Saturday. They were a heavy favorite. I forgot the exact line, 28-35, something nuts like that. It was a closer game than what we thought in your uh, story in the Sporting Tribune. You touched on that. Um, what did you take away from that win? Again, they won by two touchdowns, so I don't want to like knock them, but what did you take away from that win? Yeah, you know, one of the things I saw, I can really see, and I know you asked me this question last time, like, is the, is the bye week going to affect them? And it kind of did. It seemed like in the, it affected them slowly. Uh, they were a little slower on the defensive side of the ball, of course. It feels like Alex Grinch kind of fell back to his routine. Uh, there were two, I think it was Rashawn Davis. And uh, who did not play any snaps at all. And, you know, that he's arguably one of the best linebackers for this team right now. Um, he did not get any snaps at all. And that was a really huge one right there because, yeah, the, the return of Mason Cobb is very important. Um, you know, he was he only played in the first game against San Jose State, uh, did not play anything else at all. But the defense seemed a little you know, a little too slow. They seem a step behind. They maybe did not expect the offense from Arizona State, which, you know, that crowd was juiced up. I mean, they were really rolling. And I think that was one of the things that really helped out Arizona State. But the defense is going to continue to be a struggle if it's going to continue to play the same way they played this past game. It's going to be a big test the way they're going to be able to perform against Colorado. Um, the offense seemed to be a little, you know, a little took a step back as well. Um, Caleb Williams made a few uh, bad throws. Um, of course, he did not throw any interceptions in this game, but he was able to still get his team together. But overall, the defense just seemed to take a step back. And hopefully Alex Grinch fixes that during the during practice because they missed 14 tackles. And that's very unusual for this type of defense right now. That was my biggest concern, and we've talked about this before. Again, they didn't look great the first week, uh, first home game, first game of the season against San Jose State Week Zero. Following that, they, they really did improve. And so seeing them, like you mentioned, miss that many tackles, give up 28 points, um, you touched on it. Do you think that's a one-week thing? Are, are you concerned as well? Because here's the thing. You're coming from a, a season where you gave up over 500 yards, 
in the Pac-12 championship game over 500 yards to, to too late in the Cotton Bowl. People are calling for Gr- for Grinch's job. To his credit, this team had improved. Defense had improved. They kind of look like the same last week. No, they they did. They, they looked the same uh, from, from the weekend before, but looking at the Points differential. I mean, you look at giving up 28 to on that opening game to San Jose, giving up 14 to Nevada, then going down to 10 um, yeah. against Stanford, and then going back up to 28. It seems like there there is some inconsistency right there within the team. And of course, I, I believe it has to be within the linebacker situation. Uh, the defensive line, the front line is doing pretty, is doing amazing. I mean, Barry Alexander deserves a lot of credit for his performance all season long. And Kalen Bullock being able to pick up his first um, interception of the season. Um, this year and seeing Tackett Curtis, you know, Tackett Curtis being the freshman player of the week right now on the defensive side of the ball. So he's very, very good. But I think Grinch in, in the thing that about the tackling, though, I've been at practice at USC practice watching these guys through these routines and Grinch spends um, a lot of time in working on tackle situation, pushing them out of bounds and making sure they don't get that extra yardage, which I've seen them working on it. But at times, you know, you face certain teams that they're going to counter every move you do on the defensive side of the ball. So it just seemed like they, they read the, the defense, the USC defense very well. So it gives some credit to the offensive side of the ball for Arizona. But at the end of the day, yes, it was an unimpressive win, but they got the win. The big uh, game this Saturday against Colorado, 9 a.m. Pacific uh, kickoff there in Colorado. Again, a little bit of the luster has been removed from this game. I think, again, Colorado gets blown out by the Ducks in Eugene, uh, their first loss of the season. USC drops in the poll. Again, not a lot, but, you know, going from five to number eight in the standings. Your thoughts on this game now? Again, this was being hyped up as maybe the game of the year after the first three games of the season. Following what happened last Saturday, does this have the same kind of impact, you think? I think it does. Um, even though Colorado did drop a big, big game, they just seem to get uh, tore up by Oregon. And I feel that prime time, uh, Coach Prime, he's really – He's, re- he's really up for this game. He knows that he disappointed uh, maybe the whole country and the whole world with the type of game they played. And I know they're going to come back strong playing at home and playing against a team like USC. I mean, they're, they're going to wake up. They're probably going to, they're probably not even going to sleep from the night before. They're going to be so up and ready for this game. And, you know, right now with Colorado, you know, being three and one, they did face Oregon uh, last week at Oregon. They faced uh, Nebraska as well, TCU and Utah, uh, which they lost to they uh they didn't play Utah. I mean that was last season on their last game. But when you look at the win against TCU, no one expected that from Colorado. If they would have lost that game, they would not have been looked the same way as they're getting looked at right now. But because they won against TCU, because they won a very low talent team in Nebraska and having a lot of coaching problems out there, if they I feel like they're they're twenty one and a half point underdogs right now yeah. against USC this Sunday. I don't see USC possibly covering, especially looking at the way the defense played against Arizona State, giving up 28 points. Uh, but I do see a very, very close game, but I do see USC coming out on top of this one. It's, that's a great point because that, that was my first thought when I looked at that spread was I think USC wins. I think they win by two touchdowns, but I do think it's a very close game. And I do think it's a game where, again, USC going on the road, 
going up against a Colorado team that, listen, they're not in the same class right now of USC and Oregon, but they are a very proud team. And I think when you lose in that fashion, the way that they did, um, you have something to prove. And certainly you have something to prove in front of the home fans. So, you know, I, I love that spread in terms of, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm picking USC to win. I think Colorado's going to find a way to uh, to make it a close game. Um, the significance, though, of USC dropping, I don't think it's a big deal. What I mentioned on Twitter uh, following their drop was, hey, this is all going to come down to a stretch late in the fall where they're going to Eugene, Oregon, where they're playing Washington, where they're playing Notre Dame, they got to go to South Bend. I mean, at the end of the day, if USC does what they need to do, they'll be in the college football playoff. I have no doubt about that. Do you have any concern, or what are your thoughts on USC dropping in the polls? You know, it is a major drop if you can look at it that way, because, you know, Washington, another Pac-12 team, took a leap over them at the number seven spot. And seeing the way that team has been playing, uh, when you look at it, every single quarterback and every single offense in the top seven teams, you do, you cannot compare any of those seven offenses to this offense that, we, that USC has right now because they are still leading the country in points. But when, when you can see... That's Notre Dame. That Notre Dame is going to be huge in two weeks from now. And yeah. then you have Oregon in about a month. And yes, UCLA is still on top. They, they did lose a, a game, but they do finish the season strong against UCLA. But I, I can definitely see, like you said, it. You know, they, they're going to definitely be there in the college football playoffs. They're definitely going to be there, depending on the on the position they're going to be. But USC, there's there's just no one better as talented as Caleb Williams, Zachariah Branch, Taj Washington, and the emergency right now or Brandon Rice because I think Brandon Rice is really just one of the most talented receivers there is right now stepping into his senior year. Yeah, and, and so listen, if you're a USC fan, don't worry about where they, they fall. If they do what they uh, well, if they do what they're supposed to do, they have their chance. Again, I mean, that's kind of all you want. You don't want to play a soft schedule. You want to play the schedule that they have right now because all championship teams go through a stretch like this. We have four games mm-hmm. right now that are up against top 10 teams, two at home, two on the road. Uh, it, it was also a big Sunday for the Los Angeles Chargers. Again, beginning the season 0-2. Yeah, hate to call week three must win, but it really was in the sense that they, they couldn't fall uh, down 0-3. They did find a way to win. However... The next day, yesterday, we find out Mike Williams done for the season. Let's first start with the game. Your thoughts on the Chargers finding a way to go into Minnesota and get a win that they desperately needed? Yes, that's right. They desperately needed this game, even though, like you said, it, it shouldn't be a must win, but it, it had to be a must win for this Charger team. They could not have started the season 0-3. Any team that starts the season 0-3, they kind of don't see their way into the playoffs. Uh, we saw last season Cincinnati Bengals, they started 0-2 and still made the playoffs and tried to make a push into the, into the year. That's how important this game was in Minnesota. Going into the game, the spread was one point. Minnesota favored by one point. So you really did not know where this game was going to go. The way it looked like at the end, of course, everyone wants to talk about 
the call that Brandon Staley went for. He went for it on fourth and inches, and he failed. Giving the ball to Joshua Kelly, someone who had, who was not productive all, all day long. He was not productive, only picked up about a little over 20 yards and about 13 carries, so it's not much. I'm not sure why the decision was not made for Justin Herbert, maybe for QB Sneak. That maybe seemed to be the better call at that situation, but going for it, failing, then getting the defense to get that big-time interception, yeah, you got to give credit for the defense right there, but Brandon Staley is still taking out of heat right now for that call, even though they won the game. He's still taking heat for that call, which is, I look at it as a little unfair because let's say if he went for, like he went for the call, let's say they would have got the first down. Game would have been over. He would have maybe looked at as a genius because he went for it on on his own 24 yards. Um, But you got to give some defense depth up. Huge. Kenneth Murray. I mean, Brandon Staley owes Kenneth Murray. Uh, steak dinners for the remaining <laughs> part of the season because if it wasn't for his interception right there, um, maybe Brandon City would not have had a job no more at this moment right now. But it's 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 a good win. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens at SoFi Stadium this upcoming Sunday because the Las Vegas Raiders come to town. Um, the Raiders really dropped a big game on Sunday nights, uh, so they're really looking at you getting some revenge, and they're both 1-2 right now. Heading into week four, the Chargers have a bye week after this game, um, but the devastating... Really yeah, quick. It, it's, Sorry, it, yeah, we lost for a second. Yeah, it's just a it's just, it's just a devastating loss for what happened with Mike Williams right now. It's just it's it's a big loss for the team. It's it's a big loss for the wide receiving group. Uh, but that just means that Quentin Johnson, the rookie, needs to step up right now. So uh, the loss of Mike Williams. Um, when you first heard about it, again, it, it, it didn't look great, and I, I don't think the team was optimistic that um, you know he could come back. Uh, your first thoughts again, because we lost you for a brief second there. Uh, what what were your first thoughts when you found out Mike Williams would be done for the season? Yeah, you know, when I found out, uh, I, I knew the moment that injury happened. I knew the when he got cart, carted off the field, I knew it was going to be something more than four weeks. He, you know, Mike yeah. Williams, he, he goes through some stuff like this all the time. And, of course, last season, he ended the year on the injury list, injuring his back on the last game of the season in Denver. Um, but right now, the loss with Mike Williams was just very, very, it, it's like a low blow for the team. The team seemed to kind of... Mike Williams is having the game of his of, of, of the season right now with seven carries. Uh, he had 123 yards so far prior to the injury, and it just seemed like everything was rolling. Herbert throwing numbers, um, Keenan Allen being a, a, a great wideout that he has been, and you got to give that man some credit as well for staying in the game and having over 200 receiving yards. But the loss for Mike Williams is going to be very huge, and it's all going to depend now on Quentin Johnson. It, it's mm-hmm. all going to be on Quentin Johnson right now because he's going to have to fill that role as well as Joshua Palmer and Donald Parham. Donald Parham and Joshua Palmer are the other two two wideouts are going to be stepping in right there, but it is a huge, a huge loss for Mike Williams, especially in the second year of his three-year contract. You touched on a big game Sunday at SoFi Stadium. The Las Vegas Raiders come to town again. We've, we've covered these games before. 
Fredo, a lot of, uh, you know, opposing team fans, I guess you could say. The Raiders, obviously, um, you know, uh, were in Los Angeles. They won a Super Bowl here. It's very interesting because I was in Vegas for that Sunday night game against the Steelers. And I don't know. And again, I've been a SoFi for Chargers games, been a SoFi for Rams games. I don't know if I've seen an opposing team take over a stadium the way that the Steelers did in Vegas. So the Raiders kind of have some sympathy in terms of they know what the kind of uh, what the situation is for the Chargers some weeks. This may be one of their few, I don't know if you can call it that, but, you know, kind of a home game where at least it could be 50-50. Your thoughts on what the atmosphere is going to be like, because I do think that the Chargers have done a good job of trying to contain their 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 tickets for the game. Again, you know, you can't do anything if a season ticket holder wants to sell their uh, tickets to the opposing fans. But generally speaking, from the moment that they've gotten here to where they are now, that has improved over time. No, yeah, it has because every time there is an opposing team coming into SoFi Stadium, um, especially against the Chargers, it seems like uh, the opposing teams always take over the stadiums. I've been at the last two Raider games at SoFi against the Chargers, and it's always about a good 65, 70 Raiders and 30% Chargers. And yeah, tickets right now, it's a hot ticket right now. I think the lowest ticket you can get in is at about 175 right now for Sunday's yeah. game at SoFi Stadium. So it's not the cheapest ticket right now. Um, but Raider fans do take over. And surprisingly, what, what you said about the Pittsburgh fans, what they how they took over this uh, stadium on Sunday night. In 2021, um, the Chargers, when they faced the Pittsburgh Steelers at SoFi on Sunday Night Football, that has been the most craziest fan base that I've seen. They took over that stadium with all those yellow flags. I'm sure you saw all those yeah. flags uh, rolling around, and that's exactly what they did back in 2021 when they came to Los Angeles. But they do have a good fan base, and, a tr and the Raiders, of course, they, they will show up uh, whether Jimmy Garoppolo is going to show up. He is in concussion protocol right now. And, you know, he throwing, I believe he threw a total of three interceptions on Sunday, mm -hmm. if I'm correct. And that, I mean, I'm not sure who they're, uh, they're going to go out there, whether it's going to be protocol for Garoppolo and next man up, or is Garoppolo going to get a chance to play in this game? But it's definitely going to be an interesting one. They're both one and two. They both are going to be fighting for this second win. And hopefully, you know, hopefully, hopefully the the Raiders do do the good things for Devontae Adams because watching yeah. what Devontae Adams was, was saying after the game, he just seems like whether he's going to mentally check out mm. and look to go elsewhere or the Raiders going to take care of that situation. It's a great point because, I mean, Devontae came to the Raiders mainly because of Derek Carr, his best friend in college, went to Fresno right. State together. So this wasn't a total rebuild, but I think that there was a confidence in Devontae saying, hey, listen, I'm coming to Vegas. I'm coming to play with my best friend, the quarterback that I know can get me the ball. And now he's with Jimmy Garoppolo. And to be honest, Fredo, like according to, you know, several like offshore sports books, you know, Josh McDaniel is right now the uh, favorite to lose his job first. Like if you, if, if, if a team <laughs> is going to change a coach, uh, it'll be Josh McDaniel. So we'll, we'll see if that happens, but you bring up a good point with the uh, tickets. And this is why the Las Vegas Raiders are in the situation that they're in with the opposing team taking over the cheapest ticket, the cheapest, by the way, 
for the Pittsburgh game was five hundred dollars. So wow. you're not you're not getting casual fans. You're not getting local fans who may become Raider fans. You're not even getting hardcore loyal Raider fans who used to go to the game in Oakland, used to go to the game in Los Angeles because they've never spent. $500 for a ticket. Who's spending $500 for a ticket? It's people who are making one road trip a year, so they don't care. I mean, I didn't, you know, I'm not saying all the people who are in the stadium are like totally rich, but, you know, they are paying for their flight, they're paying for their hotel, they're paying for their two tickets to the game. Like, they are spending for their one road trip. And so what happens, and this is going to happen for the next home game that they have against the Packers, it's going to be a sea of green and yellow. And again, same price point for that particular game, by the way, Packers and Raiders on Monday Night Football, October 9th, cheapest ticket right now, $500. So you, you, you're not, and again, that's cheapest, by the way, that's wow. just to get your foot in the door and sit in the worst seat in the house. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 it's one of those things where it, it was a very proud franchise, and I still think it could be. But when you when you have a coach who, going back to when he was with the Broncos, wasn't successful, I think. Listen, when you are the uh, when you're the offensive coordinator of the Patriots and you're the quarterback coach of Tom Brady, people will give you a second chance. And, but this is the end of the line for Josh McDaniels. I, I, and I'm not saying he's going to get fired during the season, although we have a great column up on the Sporting Tribune from Willie Ramirez, basically saying this guy is showing who he is. He's not a head coach. He's a good offensive coordinator, as long as Tom Brady's his quarterback, perhaps. And he's a good quarterback coach, <laughs> but he's not a head coach. And so we'll see how all that plays out. Fredo, you're the best. I will see you uh, soon, my friend, perhaps Sunday at the game. Uh, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will be joined by Lauren Jones of the Sporting Tribune talking about the Rams. Monday Night Football lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. When we come back right here on the Mighty Year 1090 in Southern California, the bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mighty Year 1090 ESPN Radio. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now, in a city where time disappears. We create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline right now. And joining us from the Sporting Tribune, Lauren Jones. Lauren, how are you? I'm doing well, Arash. How are you? I'm good. All right, so we had a Super Bowl rematch last night, the Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, 
Listen, both teams are, are, are not doing great, although I, I think this has sort of been a surprising year so far for the Rams. We'll see if they'll come back down to earth now. But, uh, you know, uh, one game one against Seattle, only lost by a touchdown to, to, to my view, the best team in the league in San Francisco and really had a chance to uh, beat Cincinnati, fell short. Your thoughts on the game last night? Yeah, Arash, I think that this was one of the first game of this season that I thought that the Rams offense, um, you know, really didn't look as strong as they had through the first two games of the season. Uh, You know, I think there were some just errors and I know that there was an injury to the left tackle and um, uh, Alkari. And I'm sorry, I I believe that that was one of the the determining factors because the line had been so good. Uh, The offensive line had been really good at protecting Matthew Stafford, allowing him to have a little bit of extra time to, you know, um, read the offense. And then also, I think there were just some marginal errors that they made, um, you know, when they had an opportunity to capitalize in the red zone and when they had an opportunity to capitalize, uh, you know, on third down conversions. That was one of the biggest telling, as I wrote in the article yesterday, that was one of the biggest telling um, indicators of the difference between the game. Mm. I think that the the Rams defense, you know, they were able to get their first interception of the season. And so there were some some good things that we saw there, especially from uh, some of the younger players like in Byron Young. Uh, but I do think that there are some just as after that game against the 49ers, Sean McVay said, you know, you have to close the margin of error to be able to close out close games. And even on the road, as they look ahead to the Colts, there are going to be some of those same instances in which, you know, they really have to tighten up um, some of those issues to to be able to pull off these games. Yeah. One of the things that I was disheartened by was the protection that Matthew Stafford got. And you touched on it in your story. Listen, at the end of the day, if the Rams are going to have it, some success. And again, they, they look good up until uh, last night. Matthew Stafford has to be protected. Your thoughts on what happened last night with the, the offensive line? And was that like an aberration or, 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 or unfortunately could be, could this be a side of things to come? Well, Arash, I, I'm not a psychic, but I can say that, that, you know, once you start to add up games like last night, then it can easily, this season can easily get away from you. And so Matthew Stafford being in his 15th season, he needs that protection from the line. And so, uh, you know, I think it, it could be a tale of what's to come, but I am still encouraged by what was seen in the first two games. Um, you know, there there's the tough defense that they they saw in the 49ers, you know, perhaps the best defense in the league. We saw how well he he was protected in that game. And so, uh, you know, it's it will I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah, <laughs> really. No, it's 100 percent right. Um, so now moving forward with the uh, Rams, uh, they go on the road. They play the Colts on Sunday. Um I don't know your, your 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 thoughts on this. Not that I'm thinking that that they're going to come back down to earth because I don't think the Rams are going to be as bad as I thought they were going to be. Again, before the season, I thought there was a chance that they should kind of put themselves in a position to tank for Caleb Williams. You know that that's not the case. I think this team will be very competitive this season. But your thoughts following this game, short week. Uh, now they have to go on the road to play the Colts. Yeah, that's a difficult position for any team, even if they're clicking, um, you know, back-to-back games on the road, especially coming on off of a short week and a difficult loss. Um, But we shall see how things play out. 
um, in Indianapolis. I think that that's going to be another, uh, you know, test for them. And I think that the Rams, if they want to prove uh, people wrong in terms of what this season, what we predicted it to look like uh, before the season started, then they're going to have, you know, the Eagles next, even though they're at home. That's so the, yeah. the, the season, the schedule is not going to lighten up. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that would give them the best chance to kind of get a rebound, you know, go two and two uh, heading into the, that game against the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah, Lauren, I, I'm kind of concerned actually for this Rams team and that running game that was pretty much lacking as far as calls are being made. Do you think that hopefully they can make those adjustments? I mean, even during the, um, like every single announcement was like, why are they not running the ball? So I'm kind mm-hmm. of concerned on that and how um, they're going to make that adjustment. Yeah, I think that that comes down to play calling as well. And that was working for them really well. We saw that Kyron Williams um, in his first start against the 49ers, you know, was able to run the ball very well for them. And I think that opened up the offense. So that going away from what was working is definitely, uh, you know, kind of the writings on the wall that, that if they continue to go away from the run, uh, then they won't be able to sustain whatever momentum that they had uh, coming out of that first one against Seattle on the road. And also, you know, it goes back to the offensive line. It's very dependent on them to be able to open up the gaps for uh, the running game to get going. All right, Lauren, uh, USC, uh, they were expected to blow out the Sun Devils. It wasn't a blowout. At the end of the day, I'm not going to knock a team for winning by two, two, two touchdowns on the road. That being said, a little concerned about the defense, giving up 28 points there. Um, again, there was some question, you know, how they were going to be coming off the bye. So, listen, I'll chalk this up to first conference road game, first road game of the season, coming off a bye. Your thoughts on the win uh, last Saturday in Tempe? Yeah, you know, Arash, uh, you know, it was so much hype for USC because of the way that they were winning so handily um, through their first few games. And it, it was a little concerning to see uh, some of the the defensive lapses. And so I think that going into Colorado, Colorado obviously is coming off of a blowout win. Um, and so on against Oregon. And so I think that there's some level setting there. But as far as USC goes, uh, it was not encouraging to see them give up 28 points to a team that, that they could have easily um, blown out. But obviously, it, it, any given day, right, it's football. Yeah. So I think for them to rebound and to have those like, you know, late touchdowns to, to win by two touchdowns that, you know, kind of restored a little bit of confidence. But as the season goes on, I know historically in the past, USC has been highly touted to begin the season and there's all this hype <laughs> around. And then somehow, some way, you know, uh, it becomes one of those like, oh, Lord, another season <laughs> of just disappointment. Uh, I don't see that in this team just because I know that the the offense and, and Caleb Williams, I really do trust in them. But defense wins championships. And if they're looking to compete for a, a natty, then they're going to have to turn it on and be clicking on all cylinders, especially, um, you know, for each opponent that they that they uh, face moving forward. Well, you touched on it. USC drops in the rankings. Not a lot, but five to eight. Colorado gets blown out in Eugene, uh, 42 to six, a game that was not close at all. It was 35 nothing at halftime, 42 nothing with nine minutes left in the third quarter. Uh, does that take any of the, lo- of the lo- luster off of this game? Because again, big noon kickoff. Everyone's been talking about it. Colorado hottest team in the country. USC right there. But 
with USC's uh, slight drop and Colorado getting blown out and they're completely out of the top 25 now. Does that take some of the shine off this game? I think it does, Rush, honestly. Uh, you know, to see basically Colorado get exposed in the way that they did uh, mm-hmm. this in, in the game against Oregon, it, it brings things a little bit more down back to earth. But I, I think it's still going to be an exciting game. Uh, I think it's going to be a star-studded game. You know, what we'll see in terms of just the, what it does for the culture and uh, what Deion Sanders, you know, I know he's a resilient coach. I know that that team is wanting to prove people wrong. And so uh, it's going to still be exciting, but I do think it, it the little the shine is, is a little bit, yeah, like you said, lackluster. We might have to polish it off a little bit. And, and uh, you know, all we want to see is a, is a great game against, um, you know, these with, with these two teams. I think also uh, the Pac-12 hasn't been in this like conversation of being dominant for you know years, and so I think that that will hopefully you know continue that that momentum that the, the Pac-12 has in terms of the conversation of being one of the you know competitive and premier leagues. Um, sorry, uh, conferences rather yeah. uh, for the rest of the, this season. Lauren, I'm not a morning person. I- <laughs> Anything that has, and that's, that's an understatement. Um, anything that has AM in the front, it could be 1 AM. It could be 11 AM. It does not matter. Hey, hold up. Gee, hey, 1 AM, you're still up. Okay. Like, I you're, take that you're, back. Okay, you're right. No, I take that back. But 9 AM, like, I'm trying to think what, like, if Duke is playing, by the way, college game day, gotta, gotta give you your flowers. You get college game day for the first time ever going to Duke football. There's no way you're going to be up for that, Jihei. There's zero percent chance you'll be up for that. <laughs> you know what? I am um, going to try to be up for all the twelve o'clock games, and that okay. was a for me. There you go. Um, one of my buddies and I, he, um, we had a bet, and um, that Washington would cover against Michigan State two weeks ago. They did. It was at 14 and a half, and he owes me a day out slash bar tab. So I'm going to wreck him um, on Saturday. Oh. That being said. Um, there is a 9 a.m. There are multiple 9 a.m. starts, right? Um, I'm wondering if this is going to have somewhat of an effect for that USC-Colorado game. That was my question because, again, <laughs> I'm, probably, I'm not going to lie to you. I know it's probably going to be a great game. I will watch the highlights for that USC-Colorado game at 9 a.m. Because, <laughs> um, again, not a morning person. But I'm just wondering, do you think that this will be an, um, have an effect on them, on both teams? I'll just say that I, I know USC fans all too well. Uh, being that I am one, and I, I think Manhattan Beach, as a rock fight know, is going to be filled with SC yeah, banners, flags. I mean, uh, you know, the, there might be like some some Hawaiian shirts out debuting uh, for that 9 a.m. game. I think that that's not going to change. Uh, USC has a rampant fan base, and when we're good, they, you know, the team is is has you know some of the biggest fans in college football, and so. I, I personally don't think that that's going to change things. And I think it's equally, you know, Colorado, the hype around them and just how excited their fans are. Uh, I, I don't see that being affected as much, but I do think that the quality of the game is what, you know, we'll be paying close, close attention to um, in terms of, you know, what that means for the, you know, rankings moving forward, et cetera. So, yeah. Lauren, it's time for the NBA season. Uh, Rob Lincoln, Darvin Ham expected to talk to the media uh, this week, next week on Monday. And I don't know why the Lakers and Clippers always do this. They have the media day at the same time. I don't know if there's some kind of a competition. But anyways, Lakers, Clippers, media day on Monday, I believe, October 2nd. 
How pumped yes. are you for the beginning of the season? I am so excited. It feels like, you know, you're just anticipating once uh, June is, is wrapped and, and there's like this lull period. Obviously, there's summer league and things of that nature. But then you, you get to October so quickly and you're like, yeah. wow, we're, we're back. We're here. Uh, this is going to be a very exciting season. I'm interested to see what Rob Lincoln, Darvin Ham kind of have to set the tone before media day happens. That's always just an exciting time. There's so much hype around it. You know, we see uh, the, this team is going to be the, it's going to be the first time that we kind of see them all together. We, we've been hearing rumors throughout the week that they've been you know at the practice facility or leaving practices, uh, and so it, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, it's going to be such an exciting season. So the Lakers, again, and the, the run kind of came out of nowhere. But, you know, post-trade deadline, completely different team. They're bringing that group back. They improved upon that group. Uh, again, getting to the Western Conference Finals, losing to Denver. Again, I, I told people, you, you don't want to get swept by them. All those games were closed. That's the best player in the world, the best team in the world. What is it? I mean, I, I guess I'm, I, I, I'm assuming it's a championship or bust, but... Following a season in which they got back to the Western Conference Finals, what is your expectation? What is a successful season for you, Lauren? Let's avoid the play-in play tournament. Well, that's that's there. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think that a successful season, uh, it's clicking on all cylinders, I think, from the beginning, Arash. Uh, the team, you know, went through a very dark period to start last season. And so I think what you want to see is being encouraged by, like you said, what they were able to build and put together through that Western Conference run. Obviously, it did not end uh, how Lakers fans expected it to in the sweep. But also, you just have to give credit to Denver and that team uh, being so dominant, having the best player in the world, you know, I believe, in Jokic uh, through the last few seasons. And so, uh, I think a successful season, Arash, looks like, uh, you know, the team clicking on all the, the the drama being eliminated and it's yeah. basketball, you know, you want to see them put together a string of wins early, carry that into the all-star break. And really, um, you know, you also want to see the health of the stars. You want to see, uh, Anthony Davis dominant throughout the season. You want to see him taking on that leadership role with some of these younger players coming in, uh, and also some, sorry, returning rather. And then also, uh, some of these key role players that I think are going to, to bode well for, for them to have, you know, a, a really great season, before, winning record and all. Yeah. Um, for the first time, really, that, that I can remember in his career, LeBron hinted at retirement or, or at least was considering it, which is not crazy. The guy just finished up his 20th season. That being said, I mean, as you look at LeBron's career and the end of his career, perhaps, What's the exit strategy? Do you think it's one more year, two more years? Again, the thought process was Ronnie goes to USC, maybe plays this season. But after what happened there, I mean, I, I don't think he is one and done. Um, your thoughts on LeBron? Because I, I clearly he's hinted at it. He's thinking about it. He's a human being. Uh, he's going to retire at some point. How do you think this all plays out? When do you think LeBron finally says, that's it. Um, I am done with the basketball. I think he is. I think he's very keen on the sense of playing with Bronny. Yeah. And I don't think that he's going to hang it up until that happens. I mean, LeBron has always been the type of player that he, he looks at the accolades. He's, he's, you know, as, um, 
just as the media is talking about it behind the scenes, that he's very vigilant and has that in the back of his mind. This would just be another notch on his legacy. And so I, I don't see him, uh, you know, hanging it up before that happens. I do obviously know that 21 seasons is no easy feat. And so obviously, and, and you know, father time does catch up to you, but I think LeBron in the way that he takes care of his body and the way that he has continued to be dominant, even despite, you know, uh, father time, I think he loves the, the pressure or the idea when people doubt him, he's going to come and show up and show out, uh, you know, again and again. So I think there, there are at least two seasons in him before okay. he hangs it up. I, that would be my prediction. Uh, you know, we will see how this season goes. I think there's a lot riding on that. And, and also, you know, with the help of Bronny, I'm so glad that he's doing okay. We haven't heard much, you know, as the USC uh, basketball team starts to practice and, and opened up their um, their practice yesterday. But I do think that there are a lot of um, question marks around Bronny's health, you know, his future. Obviously, that's the most important for LeBron as, you know, one of not only just, you know, on the court, but he's more than an athlete. And so, you know, I think that he is, is keeping all of those things in mind. But I do, I don't see him hanging it up until that happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, something to look forward to, right? Um, October 15th is my favorite time of the year. Uh, I should say second yes. favorite time of the year, but it is one of my favorite times of the year because you get everything. We're going to have mm -hmm. hockey. We're going to have basketball. We're going to have baseball. We're going to have football, college, college, every college basketball, everything. It's my second favorite time of the year. Which one are you most looking forward to watching when you're sitting at home or even when you like are able to go to a game which um, sport, Lauren, are you most looking forward to being like, oh my gosh, all of them are here. <laughs> I can't pick, but I have to pick. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I am a huge Dodgers fan. And so I think, you know, October baseball, you know, with the Dodgers looking how they do. And, and for me to have been, you know, covering a couple of the games, you know, through the end of the season, I am really excited to see see how this team fares uh, through their World Series push. I mean, they're the most one of the most dominant and competitive teams year after year. So that if, if I'm just sitting back, if I can go to a game, that's where I'm, I'm, I'm you know, my focus is. Lauren is 100 percent right. Because here's the thing. We don't know what's going to be happening in terms of baseball. It, like on October 15th, I'll give you a great example. Like last year. I, that, that it felt like it could be a World Series year, and then all of a sudden they lose to San Diego in the divisional uh, round. And I'm like, wait, I, I had planned to go to the championship, championship series. I had planned to go to the World Series. So if the Dodgers are playing meaningful games, and it would be meaningful if they're playing in October, and gee, you've gone to some of those postseason games as well, that's it. Like, it's, it's, it's really – and again, as much as I love basketball, as much as I love hockey – as it's the beginning of a very long season. So if the Dodgers are playing meaningful games in October, the divisional series, obviously, first up, game one, October 7th, at Dodger Stadium, we know that for a fact after they clinched the first round bye, but if they advance, go to the championship series. If they advance again, go to the World Series. I mean, those, there's nothing like big-time uh, big October baseball here in Los Angeles. So hopefully, Lauren... We are covering uh, those games, and hopefully they uh, make it that far. Um, you're the best. Thanks so much. Uh, we'll have you back on next week. That's all the time we have for today. I'll see you again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. West side, West side.
This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.